said, I champion adversity, right? We know what to do when things go right. But the next time it gets tough, uh, the next time you question your purpose, the next time you question your existence, uh, your mission, if you're supposed to be doing what you're doing, and it gets tough and challenging, just whisper to yourself, this too shall pass. Hello humans, welcome to the M Word, the Manx Sports Podcast, brought to you by Martin, that's me, and Matt. That's him pointing down there. Hello Matthew. Alright, weird okay. to seeing you over this. Yeah, so this is our first ever visual episode as well, we're joined by Chris, for those on, on YouTube watching this, Chris, Chris Mitchell joined us, hi Chris. How you doing? Good, thank you for your time. No, thank you, thank you very much for, uh, for inviting me along, it's no. really appreciate it. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, first of all, just to uh, just a quick shout out to our sponsor, Billboards.im. They are digital advertising. You'll find them around town. They do what it says on the tin, and we'd like to thank those guys for again continuing to support and sponsor the podcast. It's much appreciated from those guys. So that's Billboards.im. Drop those guys a quick line. So Matt, we'll crack on. Intro. Recognise the voice? No. Okay. No. Didn't. No, not rely on that one. So you should because it's someone we've played before. And that's uh, Inky Johnson. He, if you uh, Google him or, or find him on YouTube, he's an American footballer that was uh, injured playing in college football, but just about starting the NFL career. Got injured and lost, uh, or basically became disabled and lost all feeling down his left arm. He does a lot of motivational chats now around <clears throat> using that as his kind of badge of honor to his adversity, really, to against, well, in the situation he's in. And really, it ties in, obviously, super nice. Uh, with our with our guest today, Chris, uh, and we'll dig into why that's the case in due course. Uh, but as I say, or we said earlier, welcome, Chris, and uh, let's plow in if that's all right with the most yeah. important question of the day, which is whether you're a come over Manx or Manx is the hills. Uh, I, I'm ashamed to say I'm a come over. Um, so yeah, I, I was uh, I was brought to the Isle of Man uh, with my mum and dad back in um, oh, 1988. Uh, I was 16 years old. And uh, my my dad got a job on the Isle of Man, and um, I was too young to stay stay put where where we were. We were we were living um, in uh, in Rugeley, um at the time, and uh, so I, I I came over with my mum and dad, uh, as I say, sixteen, and uh, to the Isle of Man. Didn't didn't know too much about the place to be honest. Apart from the, I knew a lot about the TT because I was already uh, I was already very keen on motorcycles at the time, um, but yeah. I'm afraid to say I'm a come over and a stopover. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely adopt you for those who haven't obviously got the visual aspects. Chris has got his, the helmet he raced in, in in front of him there with the three legs of man. So adopted yeah. Manx anyway, if if nothing else. Yeah, I, I'm certainly yeah, happy with that. <laughs> so you mentioned there you were, you were brought up in a place I've never heard of. Where was where's that in the UK for my poor geography? Um, so I was um, I was I was born in uh, in Lancashire. Um, and lived in a place called Eccleston, which is near Chorley and Leyland, uh, up until I was about 11 years old. And then uh, my dad, sort of, with his with his work, he was like a, a regional uh, manager at Tesco's, and uh, he used to have to move around quite a lot. So um, I did get moved uh, moved a couple of times. Um, so we, we went from uh, Lancashire to Nottinghamshire, um, and then uh, and then we moved again to. Um, Kings Bromley, which is uh, near Rugeley uh, in Staffordshire. Uh, yeah. And did you do much sports when you were sort of moving around at that age? Um, 
I never really did do a lot of sports, to be honest. Uh, I, I, I never. I always felt like I, I hadn't quite found exactly what it was that I wanted to do um, with sports. You know, I wasn't really keen on in, on football. I'm still not really big on football now. Um, and just yeah, I never really, never really found that thing that I really wanted to do. Um, but I did always have this underlying. Um, wish to 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 own my own motorcycle and 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 I was I just loved bikes. I was always always out on my on my push bike and and it was into BMX. It was back in the eighties, so uh, BMX was the big thing at the right. time. And uh, yeah, just riding around with my mates and uh, just if I could be out on my bike, then that, that was me happy basically. And what age did you first get on a motorbike? Um, I was probably about seven or eight and um my cousin he, he was he was um his his dad used to take him out motocrossing and um i used to sort of get to go out with them some occasionally at weekends and and basically um it was my uncle my uncle tony he, t- he taught me how to ra- how to ride uh, this motocross bike and um you know i was absolutely in love with it loved it um i was never allowed my own bike but <laughs> uh, my mum my, my and dad were weren't keen on it so um i didn't actually get my own motorbike until i was 16. um i'd started started working part-time when i was 14 um still at school and just saved up like mad for a couple of years and then was eventually able to buy my own little 50cc and and were you were you doing any racing there is that just going out and enjoying doing trails sort of thing yeah just that was just just riding for fun i was never i never got into racing um until much later on until after my accident actually um but uh, yeah it was just for fun but um it, it was just all i ever thought about really i just absolutely loved motorbikes <laughs> i was mad on them so yeah, six so. so 16 you come to the island that's like you say because you can save yeah. your own money you can basically make your own choices at that age it was i've saved my money i'm getting a motorbike and away yeah yes i mean sadly um i had to sort of sell my motorbike just before we moved over and um and 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 started to i mean at the time 16 you couldn't you could drive on the Isle of Man as a, as a learner not sure what the age is now but in the uk it was 17 so that was that was like a a, a bonus you know i could suddenly start uh, driving a car um and and that was kind of the route i went i started to um learn to drive and eventually passed my test and um, sort of bought my own car which which is you know that kind of put the the motorbike thing to sleep for, for a while um whilst the sort of that boy racer car you souped up yeah yeah it was was the, it? The, yeah the little, little fiesta 1.1 popular plus <laughs> with you know a massive uh, massive stereo in it huge speakers stereo <laughs> worth more than the car <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah yeah driving around with the pet shop boys and whatever else blaring out yeah i wouldn't yeah. admit that to the people i wouldn't <laughs> yeah. In a West yeah, End town. We'll not like other songs, yeah. by the way. It's just something I read <laughs> earlier on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Did you start getting back into bikes? Because mm. I, I know when we were chatting earlier, you mentioned about track yeah. days and saw that, that development into doing <clears throat> track days. Yeah, I mean, um, even though I, I had my own car, I never sort of, um, never lost this, you know, drive to, to get to get back, back, back on the bike sort of thing. Um, so, Probably in the mid twenties, I think it was, and, and, and I borrowed a, um, I borrowed a, a bike off a friend. He he got a little one two five, and um, 
I borrowed his bike and, and basically went and took my test on it. Um, managed, managed to pass my test and um, bought a little 400, um, little CBR 400, little sport, little pocket rocket thing. And, um, which was a, a lovely, really good bike. But um, I mean, being six foot tall, it was on a, a little bit on the small side for me. And um, I think after about six months of riding this 400, I, I think I decided it one, I'd like a bit more power, and two, I think I needed a bit of a bigger bike as well, just just for comfort, sort of comfort mm-hmm. side of things. So yeah, I ended up moving up to a 600 then, bought, bought a little ZX6, um, which was the, the sort of 600 at the time, back in the mid-90s, I think it was. And uh, just sort of, you know, used to meet up with mates regularly at weekends or in the evenings, and we'd go out and do what many people do, you know, ride around the, t- you know, the, the the Holy Grail, the greatest road road circuit in the world, is a TT course. So, so to, to be able to ride, you know, for, for pleasure and um, you know, in, in my spare time on the TT course was just absolutely, you know, loved it. Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't couldn't get enough of it basically. Uh, so yeah, we just used to razz around at the weekends and. Um, but again, no hankering yeah. to race at this stage. Um, <clears throat> I think I think I always thought thought myself as being, you know, pretty pretty handy, pretty good rider. But uh, yeah, and I I don't know. I just thought, uh, you know, I mean, if I if I start racing, I'm going to be this like, yeah. I, and maybe I just thought I wouldn't be good enough for or just you know starting off at the bottom and 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 plus budget as well. You know, this money side of things. Like at that point, we. Um, I'd already met my my, my, my wife at the time. We we bought a house, so we were quite young and, and had a mortgage and stuff. So money wasn't like, you know, racing is a very expensive hobby. And uh, I, I guess I just thought I'll just stick to riding around on, on you know, with my friends on on the public road sort of thing. Um, and, just on the, and just on sorry on the um, <clears throat> engine and changing up things. So when you went from four hundred to six hundred, there in general. Do you notice a big difference when you go up on the engine sizes? Is it something that you can just go, maybe not all the way to a thousand, but when you increase, yeah. is there a kind of learning curve in that sense to get a feel and a handle, or is it you can just kind of just jump up and there's not, you know, it, it's a, yeah, yeah, no, there, there's there's definite step up, in, um, and you you get, you know you have to really respect uh, the. the the increased power in, in the bike and um you know you just got to basically take your time and, and build your build your confidence with with the bike and um you know it takes sometimes takes a little bit of time just to, just to get used to get comfortable on the bike you know it was a, it was a bigger bike physically as well as the engine size but um yeah it took took a little bit of um getting used to but you know it's it wasn't um wasn't uncontrollable if you like you know but i enjoyed it if I'm honest, yeah, the extra power was pretty one of the things I was looking for. Um, but definitely, you've got to respect it, especially around here, you know, around these roads. I always find, like again, you watch watch the the Manx or the TT where they're jumping between bikes. They get off a you know super bike yeah. and they get on a you know a 600, and immediately you know the breaking points change, the tipping points change, yeah, changing to be able to just it's obviously. It just shows what masters, it masters yeah. to be able to do that and lap immediately Absolutely. on the next bike at, at the maximum they can lap on yeah. that 
on that bike, that, that ability yeah, to it's like jumping yeah. in a Ferrari, jumping in a Ferrari the next day compared to there. Yeah. Just, yeah. And it's know, taking it, a long time to get used to it, the control. Yeah, it's easier to jump from a bigger bike to a smaller bike because okay. you know you've got less power. But so if you if you go the other way, then it, you, you've got to respect it. Definitely, it's easy. Oh, to get so it's like down. almost like a margin of error then, isn't it? Because yeah, if you're going down, you've kind of because everything's a bit slower, quote unquote. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got a it's bit more room for error. Yeah, it feels easier to ride all of a yeah. sudden. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, so were you doing track days as well then? Did you start going away and doing track days? Yeah, I did start um, at that so at that point. I um, the group of friends that um, I used to hang around with, we we uh, we started looking into going away and doing some track days. Um, I can remember one one particular time we went and, and rode uh, up in Scotland on our on our bikes. Me and my mate Mark, and we went up there and met my brother Simon, and uh, we we took in um, Knock Hill, the, the track up there. Um, which is which is basically like a little uh, short circuit on the top of Snay Fell. It's it's almost got its own um, weather uh, Climate, system yeah. and, every, and everything. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that that was I think that was the first track day I ever did. Um, but immediately just loved it. You know, it was. It was uh, I guess I'm an uh, an adrenaline you know an adrenaline junkie, I suppose. And, and it was straight away. It was. You know, it was exactly what I was looking for. You know, it was albeit in a controlled sort of situation, but you, you you're suddenly able to ride much harder and you know a bit more you know more aggressive and and start to learn how to you know how to handle a bike at even greater speeds than yeah. than you can on public road sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I did did a Knock Hill and um, did a Alton Park as well. That's my favourite circuit, um, Alton Park in Cheshire. Uh, so yeah, it was just so, so at this point kind of coming to around to I guess to your thirties. Yeah, you know, I suppose in many ways, sports competitive wise isn't really on the horizon. And yeah. then I guess that time in two thousand and one that put you on a different path ultimately. And it the did, accident. yeah, yeah. I mean, well, so in um, two thousand it was. I bought my. I traded up another to another bike I uh, went from a 600 to uh, a 1000 cc uh, Yamaha R1 which at the time was you know the the bike to have it was the bike Dave Jeffries was smashing lap records on and doing amazing things around the Isle of Man on and um, you know that was like the the <clears throat> the pinnacle if you like of, of motorcycles to own so uh, yeah I managed to um, bought myself this Yamaha R1 um, which uh, which I rode for a good year. It was the, fo- the following year, um, which was the, the 2001, uh, the year with, of no TT with the foot and mouth um, thing that, that was going on. So um, they they cancelled the racing, but, you know, it was still a bit of a festival and people were still still came over um, to sort of take part in, in what was going on around the island. Um, so, yeah, it was um, pre- uh, it was actually Mount Sunday. Um, embarrassingly for a local um yeah we I'd, I'd gone out really early in the morning um i'd actually just finished work for a week uh, i was working at the Alaman creameries at the time and uh, i'd been working night shifts all week and then i got to the, uh, the weekend and that was me then i sort of finished for the week i was on holiday it was although it wasn't tt as in the racing but uh, it was still a festival and um yeah mad sunday i'd, I'd gone out really early um 
sort of planned to meet up with with a group of mates and uh, we were sort of going going to go around the island and on our on our motorbikes and see what was going on and uh, obviously being mad sunday you've got to you've got to get out and do do at least you know a handful of laps um that's just kind of what we what we used to do so um so yeah we'd, we'd all met up and um had some breakfast in parliament square in ramsey i think i had a bacon roll and a, you know a cup of coffee from the from the total petrol station or something like that and uh yeah we just decided to to crack on and go and uh, ride over the mountain um uh, just like we we always did you know we've done it thousands of times uh so off we off we set and uh, started to climb climb up the mountain uh through the hairpin you know all, all fine i actually was at the front of the, the group of lads that we were riding with um went around the gooseneck um we were it, it was a one way it was on one way on the mountain so there was no there's no cars coming the other way or anything and uh yeah just took took the next the next couple of corners as i always did and um cranked the bike from left to right to go through joey's the 26th milestone and um i still don't exactly know what happened but um maybe it was on a different line maybe it was because we you know, we were able to use both sides of the road or maybe I was going a little bit quicker than what, what I normally did. But um, for whatever reason, uh, I sort of lost, I think the back end of the bike came came out and slid round on me, uh, which which pushed me out wide and I ended up um, lost control, um, pretty, pretty fast, you know, high speed mm-hmm. and um, Hit the, hit the banking on the outside of the corner and it was as i say it was a foot and mouth so there was a lot of barriers up and stuff like that and i think i ended up collecting some of these barriers that were up at the side of the road um i mean i was pretty much knocked out straight away so i don't really remember exactly what happened and uh, my, my next sort of memory is just this weird eerie silence suddenly it was just dead quiet and and i couldn't figure out why i was just look, i was just looking at the road now, basically, I was, you know, coming around from being unconscious, face down, uh, looking looking straight at the at the tarmac, and my friend was just sort of shouting at me and trying to trying to kind of bring me around. Um, sort of my memory of it is is a bit goes, you know, it's, it's not totally clear. But um, what I, what I certainly remember is straight immediately there was this sense of. Uh, enormous pain uh, which was sort of radiating from my neck all the way down into my hand of my left arm um, I started to sort of try and come around and move a bit and and, and imme- immediately it was obvious that you know my left arm just was not wasn't responding to, to me trying to move it um, so things didn't <laughs> it seemed fairly serious uh, it, it was <laughs> Um, and the next thing, uh, in and out of consciousness, I was, I was sort of being put into an ambulance and, and, you know, the siren was going and we shot over to, to Nobles in Douglas and um, it was, with it being the festival, um, they, they brought over quite a lot of um, specialist sort of doctors and medics, uh, you know, who were sort of waiting for, for this influx of uh, injured motorcyclists. and. Um, Almost straight away, this one particular doctor, he, he sort of, I think he immediately knew what I'd done um, uh, and was, was explaining to, to me and my family, sort of saying that it's your brachial plexus nerves. So these, this is a, a, the group of nerves that, that uh, come straight from your, your spinal cord 
that uh, travel down your arm and into the muscles. And when your brain says, open your hand or move your arm, it, it sends this signal to your muscles and, and it contracts them. And basically, I pulled these nerves straight out of the spinal cord. So you, you've just basically interrupted the, the, the signal. Um, and he was saying things like, you know, you've, 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 lost the, you've, lost, you've permanently lost the use of your arm. Um, he was talking about amputation and basically saying your, your, your bike riding days are over and, and stuff. And I, it was a re- it was just really weird. It was, it, I guess I, I um, uh, maybe didn't want to believe it or just was, was also in shock and what have you. I, I, it was almost as if he was talking to the guy in the bed next to me. Um, just, it, it, it took quite, it took a while to sink in, uh, to be honest. And, um, yeah, and that sort of started uh, the path to my uh, sort of new life, if you like. Um, yeah, we, we, you know, not know at the time, but was was you when you maybe you can't remember a lot of the accident, but does in those situations do you get do you get an, I use the word annoyed with yourself, thinking did I did I make too much of a mistake here? Is this problem yeah. I've got now my own fault? And you may end up beating yeah. yourself up about it, maybe I don't know, but that's the question. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, over the years, I think I probably have done, you know, I mean, I, I mean, accidents definitely happen, you know, thing, I mean, you know, I'm certainly not the first person to, uh, to, to, to crash the, to, to come off the bike, but, uh-huh. um, you know, it's easily done. Um, but I've also got friends who've, who've had, you know, similar bike crashes and, and then they're no longer with us today as well yeah, so yeah. that that's how i see yeah it. take the good out of it yeah have, yeah yeah but but yeah definitely and yeah. I, I sort of do give myself a hard time as well over it you know it was yeah. my, i was i was in control of the bike and, and I, it was me who sort of had the accident so uh yeah, I imagine yeah. that's a battle at times when you obviously the next yeah. phase then of the rehab is is hard enough and then just because yeah. the mind works that way often it ends up counterproductive and beating itself up when it probably doesn't need to yeah yeah, definitely. So, how did um, rehab go? How did rehab? Um, so, it, it, in, in the immediate sort of time, uh, I had some other injuries as well to deal with. I had a, had some internal, um, like I'd ripped my spleen. Uh, I was quite badly bruised. We've all done that, Chris. Yes. <laughs> um, so that was the that was the thing that they were actually more concerned about at the time because of losing blood internally, um, which obviously isn't good. Because uh, you can't just stick a plaster on it, type of thing. So, uh, um, so th- the advice at the time—I mean, obviously, I was in—I wasn't going anywhere. I was in hospital. Um, but the advice was to try and sit it out and see see if it'll, uh, you know, the bleeding will stop itself, type of thing. They can go in, and the, and the option was to go in and remove it, or just to sort of suck it and see, and 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 hope hope that it kind of stems itself you know, it doesn't it doesn't just bleed out so which is what we did at the time i mean I, at the time i actually just wanted them to go and remove it because I, I felt absolutely terrible um but um anyway we didn't we we just kind of um let it do its thing and thankfully it actually healed itself um mm. so i managed to which is which is good because i managed to um uh keep my spleen which is good for your uh, immunity you know um and as all this was happening in Nobles on the island. That was at the time, yeah. So I was in Nobles for about two weeks, I think it was, um, and then back home for another couple of weeks to sort of recover. Um, well, 
know, recovered for a bit longer than two weeks. But um, <laughs> w- uh, work at the time, I was at, as I say, I was working at the Alamine Creameries. They were really good, and they they um, they sort of said, you know, when it when it's after another month or two, uh, when it's time to come back to work, we'll move you into the offices, uh, into the sort of administration side of things, because um, it was fairly clear that you know one had lost the use of an arm, um, and to do the job that I was doing, it was quite a physical thing at the time. You know, I needed, you know, I was working on the factory floor, I needed needed um, needed both both hands for that really. So so they moved me into the offices and. Um, and that was where I sort of started my uh, career in, in in the finance side of things, because um, up until that point, uh, um, you know, I, was, I was a dairy worker, if you like. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was a good job. I, I enjoyed it, and um, but there was a lot of weekend work, lots of night shift work, and I just thought, you know, I was trying to think how how, how am I ever going to get out of this sort of you know this job that that, that was you know, yeah. working these horrendous hours, and then all of a sudden, bang, you know, this this accident happened and, and it sort of, it was a fork in the road, if you like, you know, it was, it was, um, a big, a big, uh, a big lifestyle change. And, um, and was that uh, sort of during that initial start of rehab and kind of maybe realizing you can't go back to the, the exact type of job was the, were you then going through that? Well, I need to assess what I'm doing here. I need to adapt what I know and how I trained and what I do day to day. That was, was that kind of a yeah. new process or that sort of gradual as you were kind of dealing with each stage of that rehab? Um, I think it's sort of gradual at, at first, you know, it's, it's all, there's an awful lot of information coming in from, from all angles. And, um, you know, it's obvious that, uh, I mean, at, at that point also, I was still, um, hopeful that I was going to get some recovery back because they, they didn't know at the time, uh, whether, whether it would recover its, uh, you know, whether it would, would movement, uh, would come back or not. Um, and um, I was actually sent to hospital in, in London, Stanmore, which was where they specialise in this type of injury. Um, and they, they did a, a nerve graft, a nerve repair on, on the damaged site after, after loads of tests and scans and all sorts. Um, it, was, it was obvious that I'd actually completely pulled out these nerves from the, from the spinal cord, which is the worst type of injury that you can have to your brachial plexus nerves. Some people um, damage them um, sort of further down the line, if you like, and, and they, they, they can be repaired. Whereas if you just unplug straight from the spinal cord, it's very difficult to, um, to, to, to sort of repair that. So anyway, I take, they tried. I take it so, you can't just put them back in that sense. You know, there's... I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that, that's pretty much what they tried to do. I think they try and plug them back in or they try and stitch... The both ends together with some they took good nerves from other places on, on the body and so right. did these grafts um but it's you know I, is it a case of you're kind of gone and lost that initial connection that's that's the the damage done in that sort of sense no you yeah pretty much and um also i think if if you if you don't use your muscles within a certain time frame i think they also atrophy you know they die back so much that even if you've got your nerve to um work again you're going to struggle to get those muscles to work again type of thing um which is why it was all um there was like a, a six month time frame to wait where you had to have to get your surgery done um to, to give yourself as better best chance as possible for recovery but um but i mean we tried you know the, they did everything they could and all the rest of it um, but it was a case of 
right, we've done the surgery, you know, you're just going to have to go home and, and give it, you know, it's up to five years, basically, of the time that it takes for these nerves to grow and then see whether, whether you get any function back or not, um, which is pretty much what happened, you know, where I sort of went home and sort of tried to get on with life as normal, uh, as best as the best I could and, um, and give it time. Um, so, so that was sort of, as I say, it was another five years of, of my life type of thing to see what was going to happen. Um, and and unfortunately that- for me, sorry. No, go on, go on, Chris. Go on. I was just going to say, yeah, unfortunately for me, in my case, it was, uh, it became apparent that the surgery wasn't going to work. You know, I was not going to get any, any recovery back. Um, you know, after various um, meetings with, with the doctors and what have you across. Um, but I can still remember this particular time and, and it was like the, you know, they just basically spelt it out and said, look, you know, we're sorry, but you, you, you know, you, you've, you've permanently lost, lost the use of your arm and it's just a case of going sort of re, you know, go home and rebuild your life type of thing, get on with it. Um, so yeah, it was, as I say, it was another big sort of fork in the road. Um, yeah. And, and you can, you know, this, you've got two options, basically. You can either go and um, make it work or go and, you know, sit at home all day and watch Jeremy Kyle and all that sort of thing. Yeah. I just, as, sorry. I was going to say, that's what I find interesting about your story is that, that, that those are not, I don't think they're moments, immediate click moments, but they're moments where there's a massive amount of adversity and you've, you've got choices to make which are in your control ultimately you dealt, dealt a hand whether whether people like it or not you know we're all dealt with hands at different times and yeah. then and at that moment or those moments you you, you then go and i what how, how do i work around this basically how am i going to work around this yeah that's right, right. i mean sulk, not sulking yeah. about it but just you know yeah i mean don't get me wrong now you dominate it yeah yeah don't get me wrong i mean at the time i was absolutely you know, it was oh, okay. knocked me sideways. You know, mm-hmm. I can remember breaking down outside the hospital and, and being devastated. You know, um, I'd gone for the, from this sort of late 20s, 30-year-old, fairly fit young man to suddenly being this, you know, lost a limb, you know. Um, I mean, I don't think, I'm not, I probably haven't even touched on it, but the biggest part of this injury is actually what, um, the, the nerve pain that I'm in. It's, I'm, it's, it's a chronic uh, I'm, a, I'm a chronic pain sufferer and uh, because of that I've got to take medication full-time um, still you know 20 years later I'm still taking medication for it um, and that in itself has its own side effects you know so just learning to to uh, to manage it as best you can and um, I suppose I'm lucky that I've got a good framework of friends and, and family around me and um, you know I, I always get support and, and and you know from everyone i meet basically you know um which which just helps you get on you know, deal yeah. with it sort of thing so, um, so so that 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 put that support how much was there how much did you push the boundaries of that when you decide to get a bike after all this <laughs> <laughs> yeah um it was definitely uh yeah mixed mixed feelings <laughs> i suppose <laughs> um Family, my family could see, you know, I still just had this, this, uh, I can remember sitting at home and on, on a Sunday, on a sunny Sunday and just hearing people going out on the motorbikes for a blast around the, you know, the Isle of Man and, and, uh, that was just, that was really, really hard. You know, I, I, I just thought I, 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 re- I so much want to get back into it. Um, but 
you know, how, how am I going to do it? Um, but also around about that time, um, you know, it's like the internet was, was, was just sort of kicking off. And, um, I found this, um, charity, um, on the internet, it's a national association for bikers with a disability NABD. So, um, I got in touch with, with, with those guys and, and, you know, started to do a bit of research and that became apparent that there was already quite a lot of, um, motorcyclists who, who, with a similar injury to me, they've lost the use of an arm or a limb. And uh, there's all sorts of adaptions that that was you know that you can do and basically get them back out there and you know get them doing back doing the things that they really want to do and love to do. So um, that gave me quite a lot of hope, you know. Um, so so uh, I just sort of thought if I start small and and see how we go, sort of get 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 my friends and family used to the idea that he's going back out on two wheels again. Um, so, so yeah, I bought, a, I ended up buying a scooter off, uh, Paul Deadman in Ramsey and, uh, he did a little, did the repair job, um, sorry, adaption, little adaption on it just, just to get the indicators moved over to the right hand side. It was a twist and go. So it was dead easy to ride. Um, and yeah, it was, it's sort of, sort of filled my, uh, sort of, you know, gave me that sort of thing again. Of being say adaptation mentality very much of after all this happening that you want to be back on us it's not you didn't look at them and think it's an area you don't want to go near bringing up like, memories of, of things that you know it was more yeah, nah. i still have this love for it and however i can i want i want to be doing it yeah i think i think i was i didn't want this sort of negative side of this accident to to be the the end of something that I really love doing, you know, I just, I, I just thought, and I still had the, the, uh, in my mind that the words of the doctor sort of saying, you know, your bike riding days are over in my head. And I just thought, I'm not having it. I'm, I'm just not having it. Um, I know it can be done and I'm pretty sure that I'm able to, to handle a, a bike, you know, still with, you know, with what I've got type of thing. Um, when and, I, when I compare that to riding a push bike, I think if I, you know, I'm sure I could ride around one-armed on a push bike, wouldn't be very stable on it. But my immediate, obviously, balance is a massive part of that process. Those first few rides, was that just all about the balance yeah. side of things and just, like you said, building up slowly, getting used to that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I knew that once once you can get once you get the bike up and rolling, then you've got the sort of centrifugal forces of the wheels, which are going to keep the bike upright. You know, once you get up to a certain speed, the bike, sort of goes in a straight line on its own type of thing. Um, so it's just basically get, getting the bike off from a, a standing start to, to moving, um, which was going to be the, the issue with, with a, I mean, with a scooter, it's not so much of a problem because it's just twist and go. You don't have to worry about a clutch and changing gears, um, which is why I sort of went down the road, the scooter road to start with. Um, but that, that sort of kept me happy for about 18 months. And then I started to, uh, you know, get the hankering for a real, a real bike and you know, proper bike. And as I say, I'd, I'd done my research and was already finding out ways of, of getting around these, um, these issues. Yeah, right. Um, so, so yeah, that's basically, that, that was what I ended up doing. Yeah. You moved up to a yeah. twisting grip to a, yeah, I bought, I bought a 600, uh, a Yamaha R6, still got it in the garage. Um, 
and I um, got in touch with a local engineer on the Isle of Man, um, a guy called Pete Moran, who's he's known for his sort of outside of the box thinking, if you like. And he's he's mad on his motorsport, and and he's he's a massive biker himself. Um, so he was he was a, he was a good guy to go and see and, and and chat. You know, I went and had a few cups of coffee with him and sort of chatted chatted about how we could go about uh, you know getting me back up on on a real motorbike sort of thing. Um, this was you know he had these massive uh, big sheds which were full of these heavy industrial. Um, tooling um, equipment and machines and stuff um, but I mean yeah, if, if my way of thinking is we just keep it as simple as possible um, I just basically need an extra lever on the right hand side which is going to operate the clutch um, and if I can if I can change gear and get the bike rolling then I, you know, I'm pretty sure I can take care of the rest and um, that's pretty much what we did. And was it massively different then going out on a, once you get going on it, I appreciate the power is a separate question, but a 600 to a scooter is, once yeah. you get moving, is the general kind of weight distribution? Yeah. The weight was the big thing. It's, it's obviously quite a lot heavier uh, than the scooter. Um, so just had to be mindful of the fact that it was an extra weight. And um, But thankfully I'm sort of, got long legs and um, so move, moving it around and on a, you know in a, on a, when you're not actually going anywhere it was fairly straightforward yeah, yeah. Um, but it was just a case of taking taking your time with it and and, and just you know yeah trying not to <laughs> try not to run before you can walk sort of thing and, and all the time your wife's in the background rolling her eyes at you i assume <laughs> yeah i'm sure you know i've caused, caused them plenty of um Plenty of worry along the way, but um, I think they could also see how important it was. Important it was to you. Yeah. yeah, to me and my sort of, you know, my well-being, if you like. Yeah. Um, you know, I might have, I might have ended up with a, uh, you know, a lifelong disability, but it doesn't mean that just because you're disabled doesn't mean that you still can't, you know, achieve things. And I think that's my, you know, that's always in my in the back of my mind. You know, I, I don't sort of. Um, I don't. I don't take no very easily. When, if there's something I really want to do, you know, I just there's always a way. There's, there's more than you know. There's always a way around these things, and yeah. um, you know. Uh, and so yeah, that's that's kind yeah. of where I, where I went with this with, with my first bike. And so then you start start doing track days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not sort of straight away. I um I I, no. um, I spent a, a year or so sort of going back to my old ways and meeting my friends and going out on a Sunday and having a ride around the, the TT course and all that um, sort of thing. Um, so just got more and more used to the bike, got a bit more comfortable riding it and happier with it. And, uh, and yeah, a group of friends decided that um, they were, they were going to go away and do a track day at Alton Park and did I want to go sort of thing. Um, so, and obviously I jumped at it, you know, um, I think my, my main concern, cause, cause we rode to it as well on, on, on the bikes. We didn't take them in a van. I think my main concern was getting on and off the, the boat, you know, the steam packet and just the ramp and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And, but you know, it was, it was absolutely fine to be honest. Um, once you, once you go and once you get, you know, yeah. give it, a, give it a go, it was fine. Um, but yeah, I've got, um, <clears throat> we went to Alton park and, um, 
company called No Limits ran the track day and uh, they had instructors on site. And um, so straight, you know, first thing I, I went and had a chat with one of the instructors and just explained that I had this, you know, I've got this disability and I've uh, just got one working arm and, and they'd already, you know, they'd already had um, dealings with, with people in a similar, similar situation. So they weren't phased by it. Uh, so I asked, I asked this guy if he wouldn't mind just guiding me around, took me around, you know, I'd sit behind him and he'd show me the lines on the track sort of thing. So, which is what we did, you know, we started off in the, uh, in the novice, in the sort of slow group, if you like, and uh, just, just did like half a dozen laps and sort of pulled in and, and he was like, yeah, you're absolutely, no, no worries at all. So we ended up moving up into the next group and, um, you know, before you knew it, I was off riding on round on my own type of thing um, doing my own thing around the track and just felt felt really good you know I just it, I think it was then that it sort of I just thought do you know what I think I think I could probably go and race now I think I think <laughs> that's sort of I think I'll be all right I won't be the fastest guy out there but I think I can still you know handle handle a bike and um, you know I was only sort of thinking short circuits at the time I, I mean you know, the dream is to, uh, for me, it was to, to do, to, to properly race the TT course, but, um, you know, that's, that was an awful long way away. Um, I just thought I'd go and have a go riding around sort of around Jerby and, you know, around the, the short circuits first and see yeah. how it goes. Um, so I got in touch with the ACU, the auto cycle union and, uh, sort of explained the situation. Um, and they said, well, you know, we, yeah, well, um, what we need to do is get you out with an instructor, one of the ACU qualified instructors, and and then he can assess you and sort of take you from there. Which is so that's that's what I did. I arranged to go and do a race school up at Jerby, and uh, one of the uh, one of the one of the instructors there he sort of took me around for a few laps and um, just just sort of guided me basically. And uh, after a couple of laps, we pulled in, and I sort of said, you know. So, so what do you, what do you think? You know, am I, am I doing okay? And he was, he was like, you're absolutely fine. You've got nothing to worry about. He sort of, you know, probably ticked all the boxes. And before you knew it, I had my own novice uh, ACU race license, which was, which meant I could ride around the short circuits and um, orange bib and all that. And sort of, which is, which is what I did. I bought an old 600 off a, a mate of mine and sort of joined in, in with the rest of the guys on, on the track. Um, sort of sat, sat at the back on, on, on the grid and uh, just just got got stuck into it. Um, yeah. It was a big eye-opener eye at first. I mean, I thought I was I thought it was reasonably quick, but then suddenly, you know, you know right. you're out on track with the sort of damn means and, uh, you know, boys are on another level, obviously. And um, But they always gave me loads of respect. You know, they always gave me loads of room. There was never, there was never an issue. Um, I, I think I, I always felt like I was treated normal you know quite you know like the same as everybody else there was no nobody was giving me any special treatment or um or anything like that you know which yeah. was which was just brilliant you know um, and on that sorry you mentioned orange bib is that just to signify like the, when you're racing in the pack who novices are or things like that so the ones just to be yeah quite, right, okay. that's right yeah yeah it's just to just to give everybody uh the heads up as to who, who the who the who the new riders are if you like and uh, you have to wear the orange bib for um i think it's 10 races uh before you get your uh, you get a signature every race that you do and once you've done 10 then you lose the you can take the orange bib off um which is which is what i did um and then 
<clears throat> which at this point I'm starting to think about, you know, mixing with, with racers who are, who are regularly doing the roads as well. You know, they're doing the Southern hundred, they're doing the Grand Prix or the TT or whatever. Um, and suddenly I'm starting to think, oh, you know, is this actually going to be possible? Like, uh, you know, could I, well, first I've got to qualify. I've got to get myself a national license, which means you have to finish within a certain percentage of the race uh, leaders. Um, and that was going to be a problem at the time on, this, on this, the bike I had. I was nowhere near competitive enough. Uh, I found it was a little bit heavy for me, the 600 on the track, this particular one I had anyway. Uh, and it was a bit down on power and I was just, uh, plus it's really competitive in the 600 class. So I, was, I thought to, to, in, in, you know, to be able to upgrade my license, I'm going to probably need to change class and the bike basically, um, which is what I did at the time. There was a new class coming out called a super twin, um, which were, which are like, um, they're a road bike, like a commuting bike, uh, fairly cheap. And people were sort of buying them and upgrading them to race. And it was a, it was a new class to racing, uh, which is what, that's what I did. I, uh, I ordered a, uh, a bike that was built for me by a company in Bristol, uh, called JHS racing. And, um, so they, they built me the bike, um, over the winter and, uh, sort of had this sort of brand new super twin bike to race uh, the following year and straight away, I just gelled with it. Um, the bike was, it was easier to ride. wasn't quite as powerful. Uh, it was lighter and just had better, like the brakes were better and the suspension. It was just, it just, I just straight away got on with it. And, um, pretty quickly I was, I was, I was already sort of finishing the races within the top, you know, 10%. So, which meant I was, I was acquiring the, the upgraded signature on my license. Um, so I needed 10 of those then to get my national license. Um, so that became the new sort of goal. Next goal. Like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so another sort of year or two of racing and, um, I, 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 I'd got myself my national license. Um, and and that's the time to apply to the Manx. Yeah, sent off uh, my application to the ACU for my mountain course license. Um, so to get your mountain course license, you have to do so many races within a certain time frame. And um, even so, you've done even if even if you've done that, it's still not guaranteed that they'll they'll give it you. Like I never, I didn't know for sure if I was going to get this license or not until it arrived on you know through the letterbox about four weeks before the Grand Prix. Um, so all of a sudden I had a, you know, a load of work to do to get, to get, um, to get set up for the, for the, for the road race. Yeah, um, yeah. but I, I, I um, when that arrived through the door, just, it was just amazing. Just oh. I can just remember being, you know, I think I've probably ran down the hallway, you know, shouting and screaming. I was absolutely buzzing. I was just delighted. Um, yeah, it was just a lot of hard work, you know, and, um, I've sort of briefly brushed over it now whilst we're talking, but I suppose when I think back, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of work, a lot of expense as well. Thankfully I had some good friends behind me as well and spon you know, had a couple of sponsors and, um, pe people helped me along the way. Um, we actually had a fundraiser down at, uh, the Solby Inn in, uh, the pub in Solby. And, uh, it was a really good night. You know, a load of friends came along and, um, we all, uh, you know, had a load of beer and, and raised a load of money and that, that sort of helped pay for my, 
race expenses for the Grand Prix. This was 2012. Um, it actually turned into a disaster, <laughs> that, that Grand Prix. I sort of lined up on the, on the start line for practice, my first practice, and um, set off, and immediately the bike didn't quite feel right. Um, there's no way of testing there's no way of testing the bike to how it, you ride around the TT course. You just can't get the same, um, it's not putting the same stresses on the bike when you ride around a short circuit because you just on off the throttle all the time. Whereas around the TT course, you, you're just flat out for really long periods of time. And for whatever reason, it just kept, um, the, the bike was running lean and I just kept blowing engines. Um, so this was during practice week and to qualify for the race, you've got to do six laps of practice. Um, before I knew it, I'd sort of blown two engines up and, and, um, got to the end of practice week and completed about two laps. So, um, you know, I got pulled in to the office by the clerk of the course and he basically just said, you know, really sorry, but, and I think he knew that the, the journey I'd been on to get that far. And, you yeah. know, he, I think he, he looked about as good as I was, um, you know, he just sort of said, sorry, but you're not going to you know, be able to race. You haven't qualified. And, you know, that's kind of the end of it. So still sort of, ultimately doing those laps during that, that period or that, uh, practice thing when you think about or we talk about maybe that, that finishing that first lap sort of initially setting off I guess everyone always yeah. talks about going down Bray Hill for the first time what was what was what was in your mind at those kind of moments because still there's yeah. amazing things I'd imagine going on there irrespective of the the, yeah. the, the the not qualifying side of things yeah I mean I can still remember um, so the, the, your very first lap that you ever do is, is a guided lap um, which you have to sort of follow the um, the travelling marshals. They set you off in groups of six, and they sit you in behind a travelling marshal and, and you know send you off down the road. And then the next group of six will come along. Um, it was, I mean, it was just it was incredible. Um, I, I probably can't even describe how how it the feeling of lining up on the on the TT start line, you know, with all these lads around you. You've got a traveling marshal in front of you. You've got the you've got the whole of the TT course to yourself, type of thing. There's crowds of people and the you know the cheering at the grandstand and you know the tannoy is going off and it's just it's just immense. It's unbelievable. Um, your heart's absolutely pounding in your chest. You know you've got all this adrenaline just absolutely surging through your body. Um, are you nervous? Yeah, you, you do. I mean, you, all your nerves are. The, the start line and, and, and the waiting to, to, to set off, that's the, the most nervous you're going to be. And, to, you know, everybody says it, you know, John McGuinness always says it, you know, sort of 10 seconds down the, down the road and all those nerves have gone. You, know, you just, you're literally, you're just so focused on, on, on the job that you're doing. You just forget about how nervous you are. Um, you know, suddenly you, you've got this, it, it's a bit like being in a hornet's nest. You've got all these bikes around you. You know, they're all sort of, we were all following the traveling marshal at the time, but you know, people are, you're overtaking somebody or somebody's coming past you or, you know, you're coming into these famous landmarks, you know, the quarter bridge, you're coming into Braddon bridge. When you, when you flick through Braddon bridge, you've got all those people sat on, on the bank in there on, on the benches. It's just, <laughs> it's, I think I probably did have a, a bit of a tear in my eye, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, it was just oh. unreal. 
And while I was, again, one of the amazing parts, I think of the, <laughs> the and maybe, maybe it's more amazing to me as, I mean, I've ridden a motorbike not very well. And I, the, the thought of going down Sorby straight 130, 40, 50 mile an hour, I couldn't even think about holding on to someone else doing it or let alone myself doing it, then let alone myself doing it with a one arm. <laughs> it just <laughs> blows my mind how you can control the thing, let alone the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Um, I mean, you know, it's by the time you get to the to that level, you know, I, well, personally, I'd spent, I don't know, five, six years of racing. So, I, I, you know, and, and it's always in the back of my mind that I'm not there to, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there to win it. You know, I'm just there to, try and do as well as I can, as safely as I can. Um, so by the time I got to that point, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd learned a lot about, about the bike, oh, yeah. about how to handle it. And um, plus there's little tricks that you can do. You know, you, 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 you put a bigger screen on the bike that you can tuck in behind and had these little uh, extra sort of screens on the sides of the bikes as well, which just, just gives you that, um, better wind flow if you like so you just have to tuck right in um, and I use my I basically use my legs my knees to, to grip the tank uh, yeah. to grip hold the bike with um, and yeah I mean <laughs> it's, it's difficult to people always say well, how, how do you do it I just well I don't know <laughs> I just sort of no say, neither do I um, that's, that's, yeah well, it's just that you know that, again I go back to my real reference point on a push bike and going downhill at 40 mile an hour then taking taking one hand off to do anything's the kind of last resort thing you know me yeah. taking glasses off or anything I'm doing 40 mile an hour you're doing 140 so that that, that yeah. ability to have that control is and the power, obviously there's a lot of power in the legs there holding the bike I guess yeah. power in the shoulder to yeah to, keep a grip of that front end of the bike as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of my training to, to, to race on the roads was, this was when I got into cycling, to be honest. Um, a good friend of mine, Julian Wood, uh, he, he helped me along the way. He, he basically said, look, um, you know, the, the racing in the TT or the Grand Prix, it's, it's all about endurance uh, and it's all about getting you comfortable and it's about, basically not not using as little energy as possible because it's a long you know you're looking at an hour and a half um race in the grand prix it's four four laps it's 150 miles so um you need to build up your endurance and your strength um so that was when i started i started doing mountain biking um not very well i have to say <laughs> at first um but but yeah it helps say, uh, coordination though isn't it because again you yeah you're yeah, obviously it, off road, and there's a lot going on. So that 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 ability to balance and etc. is going. Yeah, basically you're using it, the exact same muscles as what you're going to be using on, on you know racing a motorbike. So it was it was absolutely um, spot on um, fitness wise. You know, I, I, I built as you say, I built up my uh, top half just just from mountain biking and trying to get the bike over obstacles and and, and also balance the thing and. Um, Plus, actually pedaling the thing up hills, you know, you're improving your cardiovascular fitness as well. Um, and it was also good fun as well. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, it's good, good for the head just to get out there and um, get some physical exercise in. Um, but yeah, so I was, I got myself as fit as I could basically, and, and it was all about just, just being fit enough to, to safely get through four laps. Yeah, that, was, yeah. that was the main aim. Um, and also 
I mean, as I said before, I wasn't there to sort of win it, if you like, but I, just, I wanted to do as best as I could. And, and, and my real goal was to try and get 100 mile an hour. That was like the, that's the, the, the sort of pinnacle, if you like. That was my, my top aim. Um, so my very, very early first few laps, um, you know, sort of low 90 mile an hour uh, average speed. So I had a little work, a little bit of work to do, but it certainly wasn't. Not a million miles away. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you can imagine that going, man, you know, doing nine mile hour laps with one hand. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, do you know, it, I never felt. I mean, it always felt um, always well in control. I never, I was never like riding well outside my abilities. Um, I had a couple of little hairy moments, but um, nothing, nothing too bad. You know, I, was, I just, as I say, I just kept kept well within my limits and. Um, just let you can't force the speed to come, especially around the TT course. You know that, that's when mistakes happen. So you've got to really, um, you just got to relax, let it, let it, let it, let the speeds come to you. Um, just, just bit, you know, bite, bite little small chunks off, uh, bit by bit, and, and, and chip away at it. And eventually, um, well, I've not really. So 2012 was the year where I had a load of mechanical problems. Yeah. Uh, didn't qualify. Um, but went went back. Um, we came up with a plan to come back the following year uh, and and tackle it again. So so that's what we did. Two thousand and thirteen, we um, uh, basically came back. We had um, did a lot more work to the bike. Um, this is all in four hundred, isn't it? No, this was the super twin. So oh, sorry. Uh, I, yeah, I always think Super Twins is 400s, but yeah, sorry. Yeah, they they were sorry. in the same class. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right, actually. But uh, yeah, so yeah, they're still on the Super Twin. Um, but uh, yeah, we did a load of improvements on it over the winter. Um, had the engine rebuilt and uh, didn't go too mad on the on the uh, tuning, just so that, just for re- reliability, basically. Uh, but we came up with some um, electronic changes to the bike which my, my friend julian wood um he sort of came up with these ideas he came, he came from a motocross background and, and uh, he knew about this clutch system this recluse clutch which which would enable the bike to sit um running ticking over in first gear without the clutch in uh, so if you like it becomes the twist and go right. uh, but it's a proper, a proper motorbike so so we did that to it which which worked which worked brilliantly, and um, we also fitted something called a blip shifter to it, which allowed me to change down gears without using the clutch. Um, I, I already had a quick shifter, which is the opposite, so that you can go up the box without the clutch. But I could also change down now as well. So it was just little things that were giving me an easier time. You know, I wasn't constantly having to pull the clutch lever in and change gear like that. Um, so all these little things that we did, they all added up to um, just what well, the bike was perfect. Yeah. 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 Um, can, a, can anyone, any racer, put those electric shifting on, or do they, or are they all on manual? Um, most race bikes have got a quick shifter on them. Um, some some people do go also have these downshifters on them as well but they wouldn't put the recluse clutch system on them i wouldn't have thought um just it's yeah there's just that's just i guess it probably leaves them open to too much um chance of having a problem down the down the road yeah yeah it was like 
quicker and easier. You know, I'm again thinking of cycling where we have the DIs or, you know, your electronic shifting compared to manual shifting, yeah. cables. So I was just wondering if it was more, you know, better to have them on anyway, or if people were still having the other, the more traditional shifting system, should we say? Yeah, I th- well, I think because um, it's something that's not been done, and not, well, I don't think it's ever been done before. What what we did to the bike, um, mm. so then then it means that there's not there's no sort of you know the reliability side of things comes into question, and 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 I guess if somebody wants yeah. to uh, build a bike to race around the TT course, that any sort of chances of having a problem with the re- reliability side of things, they're just not going to take the risk. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, whether it's something that might come in in years to come, I don't know. Um, kind of adapting yeah, to we, your circumstances, though, isn't it? Hmm. I remember yeah, years yeah. ago about, uh, was it Robert Dunlop, after his big accident, he, yeah. he had his clutch, was it, somewhere else on the bike? Yeah, he had um, he had a similar injury. Well, he, he still had the use of, of his arm and hand, but it was limited. It wasn't quite wasn't as good as what it should be and uh, yeah I think he had his clutch leader moved also yeah. onto the other side I can't, uh, I can't remember which side he was damaged now but yeah he, he either had a thumb did he have a thumb break and a oh, thumb break I think I'd heard yeah actually no. yeah he did he did do something like that yeah definitely because mm. uh, I, I can remember seeing his bike in the southern hundred um, in the pits there it can uh, be so tough. yeah yeah I mean it's amazing what you know what people people can come up with it's um, just adapting isn't it to the circumstances yeah that's right yeah yeah so, so that's uh, 13 then you you qualified went through quali- that was the, qualification qualified yeah yeah that was the, that was just the, the dream year to be honest everything went absolutely perfect and um, did you do a 100 mile an hour lap in qualifying yeah um, I started off again sort of a low 90 mile an hour lap in, on the very first lap in, in practice week and just gradually built up and um, you know quite quickly I was pushing sort of 98 mile an hour and um, we still had a few days practice left so um, I thought you know it's, it's definitely on the cards um, it was just a case of as I said before you, you can't push it you've got to just kind of relax and just 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 let it come to you and um, sure enough you know by the end of practice week I was nudging 100 I think I think I, I think I was nudging 101 um, mm. In, by the end of practice week so that was just what was that feeling that first lap that first lap of over 100 and kind of because again again listening to the story there's these kind of goals you set yourself whether it's again just yeah. back on the bike and again off a scooter onto the next bike and so forth yeah. obviously that, yeah. that was one of those massive goals it, it was yeah it was, it was uh, yeah it was a, I was blown away you know amazing amazing brilliant you know it was kind of um it was a bit surreal, you know, it was, it was almost, uh, almost like it's, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, I don't, it's, it's really hard to explain, but I was absolutely, you know, over yeah, the moon yeah. by the whole thing, by the whole achievement, what, what we'd achieved. You know, it wasn't, and I, yes, I'm riding the bike, but also, again, I had this, had this sort of, you know, my brother was helping, my, my you know, even my wife had her overalls on in the pits, <laughs> and uh you know, um, my mate Julian and Jock, you know, they were all, they were all on hand and all doing all their bit to sort of, you know, get the job done, if you like, over, over the fortnight. And, and uh, yeah, it was just, just a great feeling of, you know, teamwork and uh, just awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For, for my own interest, when you don't 
when you didn't qualify the year before, when you come back second year, this, the, well, logic would tell me you're not a newcomer because you've been there a year before, but because you didn't qualify, do you wear a bib yeah. the next year or not? That's more Yeah, um, yeah you're right. So um, because I've not, I've not finished, uh, I've not qualified in, in the practice week of the first year I did, I, I basically I'm still a newcomer. Right, so I, was, okay. I was I was classed as a newcomer in the, in the second year as well, right, okay. uh, because I'd not I'd not qualified and I've not done a race. Um, so yeah, but by the end of by the end of so by the time you qualify and you line up for your for the newcomers race, mm. you, you do away with the bib. Then you don't have yeah, to wear yeah. it in because so, you're all newcomers anyway. So let's chat about that race you're on the start line. You know, being yeah. up there, being good enough to get tickets and wander around, and the atmosphere is unreal. I could I could only imagine. Pooping my my panties, sat on that sat on that start line, yeah. rolling slowly yes. forward, watching people get the tap That's on right. the shoulder. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I don't think I got a lot of sleep that night. Um, no, I can remember. I can remember we got. You know, I got. I got there. I got to the grandstand early in the morning. Um, just, it's just electric. You know, it's this. You've got the sound of all the bikes warming up. You've got the smell of the the race fuel. You know, you've got people dashing here there and everywhere you've got the the tannoy going off um as you say eventually you'll move to the start line um where you take your your position i can't remember where i was now i think i started off in about 12th or something like that so you're you're in a queue uh down glen crutchery road and as you say yeah you, you know the bikes are gradually moving forward um you your heart feels like it's going to absolutely explode out your chest uh, with, you know, the amount of adrenaline you've got run, running through your body. Um, and by the time you get to, um, I think it's three bikes before the start line. That's the that's the moment where all your teammate your 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 team has to leave you. You, know, you that's you're basically on your own at that point. And I can just re- just feeling so emotional at that point. I can feel it now. Um, yeah, almost. It's just, I just can't explain it. Um, very, very emotional, uh, and and obviously heart pounding. Um, sort of just unreal. It's just, kind just a buzz. Kind of emotions are they? Are they of, you know, uh, I well, I don't know. What would they be? Aside well, from adrenaline, is it? I've you know, I've got here. I've been pushing to get to this very point for for yeah. You know, probably. Eight, I, I think I'd. Absolutely, I, I think I had everything rushing through my mind. You know, the, as you say, the journey um, from, from my accident to you know those those years of uncertainty about what you know, was I going to um, ever recover, uh, and then and then the moment of finding out that you know this this is this is how things are going to be, and so it's just a case of getting on with things, and, mm. and then just just chipping away, and um, you know to the to this to the point of being lined up on the start line of the Grand Prix it's just it's unbelievable I still find it hard to believe now I honestly do that um, we managed to achieve it um, it's something that's not been it's never been done before um, you know every time every time we went out and tried something on the bike it's it's something that's you know it's, it's not, <laughs> we didn't have a manual for it there's no yeah. sort of yeah. nobody to, to, to say oh yeah this is how you do it and this is what we did and that basically had to sort of make it up as I went along type of thing um, <laughs> as safely as I can uh, but yeah so it was just very emotional um, but also unbelievable you know just 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 
just amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so eventually your, your teammates that have to go and um, sort of take their take their positions in away from the, the start line, and um, before you know it, you're you're you're, you're lining your front wheel up on the start line, and uh, there's a man. In a, on a, standing on a little box in front of you with a flag, a Manx flag, and you've got the guy in the overalls with his hand on your shoulder, and and there's a there's a ten second uh, countdown in front of you coming down, and and um, I think it gets to five, and that's when that when he starts to sort of give you the five, four, three, two, one, and then you get the the pat on the shoulder, and uh, I could only imagine stand on that start line because you got that view down. Down, well, down past the grandstand, down to, down Glen Country Road. Of just, it's just not, you know, the guy who set off in front of you has disappeared over the horizon, and you just, yeah, I don't know, it must just be so it's eerie. Yeah. It is, yeah, because it goes from all you can hear is the guy in front of you, his motorbike, and him setting off, you know, the high revs, and off he goes, and then you have a few seconds that it's almost completely silent, yeah, and it's just because you've got earplugs in as well, but um, it just. Yeah, it's just mad. Um, yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, the, the, yeah. the TT video that was out, I don't know, 15 years ago now, the start of that has that that, yeah. that quietness before the roar. Yeah. And that, I think that, I don't know because I'm not a biker, but I guess that how it plays out where it's just this quietness and then this roar of the bike as it sets off. And yeah. I imagine it's a, it's a bit like that. I don't it's know. Very, yeah, yeah, very much so. Very much like that. Um, it goes from being completely silent to... Just, just uh, like an explosion, <laughs> and then there's, you know, loads yeah, of stuff yeah. going past you so everything, fast. Yeah, yeah everything's yeah. coming out of your, your senses. You know, you, you you're having to muscle the bike around. You know, you, you 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 all you've got is the engine noise and the wind, the wind rush noise in your head, and uh, things. Everything's flashing by, and uh, but you you just got to basically, um, it's 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 everything that you learned in practice week. You just got to put into. Yeah. you know into place you know it's just it's it's four laps of practice that's that's how i just kept telling myself it's just four laps of practice it's what you've yeah. already done just 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 get into it just relax get you know be smooth not take well say take your time but you know just <laughs> keep within your limits don't yeah. make any mistakes um and you hear bikers talking about thinking a few corners ahead or you know how do how was you how did you how was your approach to that yeah i, I mean pretty much that you know you, you're um so you're going off landmarks all the time you know you, right. you've 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 learned your um you've learned all the tipping in points you know i'd already been as, as you know i'd already been riding around the tt course for years up, up until that point it, the course does change quite a lot when you've got both sides of the road to use yeah. um but even so you know i still knew what was coming next um i can remember playing the, the tt um the playstation game years as well up until that point just to just to keep just just to sort of help your memory really and um so so yeah you just look at going off landmarks all the time you know you're coming up to the quarter bridge you already know you've got to be heavy on the brakes and get the bike slowed up for that point um on the first lap you've got a full tank of fuel so the bike handles totally different to to what you used to riding around on the short circuit you just have a, a low low fuel level um but but it's just a case of hitting your hitting your markers, yeah. you know, hit hit your turning in point, your braking points. Um, just be it, just ride as smooth as you can. Um, 
before we get on to that four, four laps, it was just a quick general question. That that Joey's where you had the accident and then, you know, racing and those times going through there, certainly the initial few times after your accident, was you, you your mind never, did you ever drift back to, I ate this effing corner? Um, it, it's definitely, it definitely was a, a sort of trigger of the memory each time I went through it. I don't think I ever hated it. No, but I think I think I think I felt as though I hadn't let the accident win, if you like. Yeah, not, yeah. It hadn't. It not. It's not beaten me. You know, each time. Or, difficult to explain, but um, I mean, I've, I, there's there's various points on on the TT course where I've lost, you know, friends as well. You know, and every time I went sort of past one of those uh, yeah. one of those sites, I'd, I'd sort of give them a shout in my, in my helmet, you know, I just sort of yeah, yeah. hope they're looking, you know, hope they're down, looking down on me and sort of keeping me safe type of thing. But yeah, yeah. But yeah no, it, it, it was, it, it wasn't a corner I hated. It's just something I knew I had to get through. Um, yeah, yeah. I actually enjoy it. I, I still enjoyed riding you know, the, the mountain courses. Every, every corner is brilliant to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, and I was never sort of, they, you know, Phase by, yeah. yeah. I remember trying to. There any um, corners that were more difficult after the accident? As in, I don't know, the makeup of them that you had to approach differently because of the use of one arm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would say um, fast changes of direction. So, say coming through Kirk Michael, um, there's some. You, you hardly tell the corners really in the car, but they do the uh, speed. You, you're flat out through Kirk Michael pretty much um, just before Renkull and just before the petrol station. You're you're yeah, going right, from yeah, right you go left. yellow line, yellow line, yellow yeah. line. So and you just the muscle in the bike from uh, one side to the other it takes a hell of a lot of effort. Um, again, everything's the rotating forces of the wheels. Uh, they're all fighting to keep the bike in a straight line. So you've got to fight against that. Um, also, like Quarry Bends is another fast change of direction type corner. So they're difficult. Um, also, um, I would say sort of your stop-start corners, like um, coming into the Nook. That was, you know, the old road that you, I don't. It's not used now as, as a public road, but it's part of the T, uh, part of the TT course. That's always really difficult as well because you you're coming down from you know, fast speeds from coming down the mountain and then suddenly you've got to get the bike anchored up and you've got a pretty much, it's almost a, it's probably more than a 90 degree turn. You know, you've got to try and muscle the bike around there. So yeah, you know, it's, they are difficult, but they're also just part of what you've got, well, got to do. What, what about uh, Black Bridge? You uh, get some <laughs> time over that. Yeah, I loved, I loved Black Bridge. Oh, um, I, think, I think I was always a bit, um, I always jumped it. Um, but I was always, I, mean, I live in Balaf, that's where I'm from. So I was always a bit cautious of, uh, didn't want to make a mess of it because I knew <laughs> somebody I knew would be, uh, one of my mates would be watching me or somebody like that. Um, but yeah, no, I used to love, yeah, I loved it all. So I, people say, what's your, what's your favorite part of the TT course? And um, I love all of it, to be honest with you. I'd, I'd say from the start line all the way around to the start line again, you know, I was just, the whole thing is amazing. Um, imagine that yeah. after Ginger Hall there, because it's pretty, uh, pretty bouncy yeah. around there, isn't it? Big time, yeah. That's that's difficult. Um, again, I mean, you've, you've got to grip the bikes 
the great you've got to grip the bike with your knees and um it's that bumpy it almost feels like your eyeballs is getting shaken around in your head and your vision can get quite blurry because of that um but you know during practice week you've got to sort of uh you've got to get the bike set up to handle you know that that's one of the main places that you've got to get the bike to set up for well for me it was anyway so it's it was a case of just softening up the suspension and and uh, trying to get it to track over the bumps as smoothly as possible um before i did the grand prix i'd actually raced around the, the southern 100 course which was an excellent way of like preparing the me and the bike to to ride the roads uh and the southern 100 course is is like um it's it's, it's obviously shorter than the tt course but it's because it's so stop start uh it's quite physically demanding and that, that was a very good way of sort of getting my head around how, you know, how am I going to ride around the TT course sort of thing. Um, so, so I was quite, I was sort of prepared for, you know, handling the bike through places like that. But yeah, it was, it was certainly difficult, um, but yeah. managed to do it. <laughs> so you sort of go back to, tw- to, to the, to that race to 2012, four laps, which again, it's just mind blowing that you can let alone do the speeds, let alone hold on to the bike for hundred and, yeah, uh, fifty mile. Uh, yeah, so was um, we well, we'd come up with a plan. Um, there was, I was going to have to pit stop. Um, so four laps. I was using about seven liters a lap, and the maximum fuel size that you're fuel fuel tank size that you're allowed is twenty four liter. So it wasn't a case of just filling it up and do four laps. I was going to have to stop at some point. So the strategy was that we were going to. Um, I was going to pit stop after the first lap. So I would, I would set off um, at the beginning of the race with a full tank, do one lap, which is going to use seven litres of fuel, which meant a quick splash and dash pit stop. So he just basically, my mate Julian, he just basically had to put seven litres of fuel in. Um, my brother uh, would clean my visor. My wife handed me the drink. And I was basically in and out in about, I don't know, 25 seconds or something like that. It was, it was quick. Um, and then it was a case of, right, the bike's, tanks full about three laps i'm just gonna have to go out and just just get into a rhythm um so 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 that was that was how it went um by the sort of by the third lap i was starting to get sort of quite tired Uh, i think i think on the last lap i ran a bit wide around sulby bridge just um, it's mentally as well it's it's the concentration level is is you know, unbelievable. Um, and it does start to, um, you do get quite, quite tired by the end of it. Uh, certainly mentally as well as physically. Um, but, um, but yeah, just, I just tried to keep as smooth as I could and and just get around. Um, Finished it a few hundred mile hour laps in there. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just, just unbelievable. Um, I was, I was, I definitely had tears in my helmet at the end of that race. Um, and not only had I, had I got a finish, I'd also finished within um, a certain percentage of the race winner, um, which meant I, run a, I won a replica, uh, which is what this... Yeah, so those who are on the video here. watching on YouTube, it's it's on the video there. Yeah, they were very yeah. after pieces of kit. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, not only did I win a replica, I also ended up winning um, what they call the Spirit of the Manx Award. Uh, which is something they they award to uh, one Come over. single per. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, 
yeah, spirit of the come over award. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, I was, um, I had to go up on stage at the Villa Marina. Um, that was the following year I got, I got called up and uh, actually won, won the award for, 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 for the whole achievement of the, the yeah, fortnight. Yeah. So yeah, it was just, just absolutely brilliant. Um, and the, the, you know, the feedback and the support from not just the local, well, especially the locals, but just, I had people from all over the world sending me messages, you know, just saying, you know, unbelievable achievement. And, and uh, people were saying, you know, they couldn't believe what I'd achieved, or what they've witnessed. And I also, what was good was I had a lot of people who, who with the same injury as me, the brachial plexus injury um, around the world, just getting in touch and, 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 nice. and sending me thanks. And, you know, the, just to, just just goes to show what people can achieve if they if they really put their mind to it. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. I think that's what the that's what the whole thing is about, really. Just not giving up, and um, just you know, doesn't it doesn't mean the end of you know just because you've got a a, a life changing injury. You know, my life has changed, but a lot of it for the better. To be honest with you, you know, oh. I don't I don't think I'd have been. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have been in this position if I'd, I'd not had my accident. I wouldn't have. Yeah. I don't think I'd have gone racing or um, you know had had. Uh, yeah, and that the knock-on effect, like you say, people contacting you, reaching out, being inspired by what you're doing. Uh, yeah, that's a you know out of a pretty crappy situation. A lot of a lot of positivity. A lot. Yeah, that's not right. just for yourself, but for the the ripple effect of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so 2014, so, yeah. you came back again. For more. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I thought um, still, I still sort of wanted to to. You know, I thought I thought I've got a bit more uh, to give in in the sport, and um, definitely thought I could go a bit quicker. Um, like all bikers. Yeah, as you do. Um, so, so I thought I could do um, improve my times. And I um, still wanted to get out there and you know, race on the TT course. So, so yeah, we'd, I did another year of short circuit racing. Uh, built my license back up for my Nash, um, mountain course license for the following year. And uh, entered the 2014 Grand Prix on the same bike. Um, same people around me and, you know, just sort of just have another go at it, basically. Uh, I'd, I'd done the Southern 100 uh, also that year. And... I think the Southern's about four or five weeks before the Grand Prix. Mm. And I actually ended up crashing out of the Southern. Mm. Uh, I got tangled up in a, somebody else had a crash in front. It was, um, so the, so the Southern hundred is a mass start. Everybody sets off together. You, you all sort of funnel into the first corner and there's a bit of argy bargy going on as you'd expect, but somebody in front actually came down, uh, which caused somebody else to, to crash as well. And I ended up getting tangled up in, in bikes and, you know what have you that was sliding along the road and i came down as well um sort of damaged my bike and also um knackered my knee as well my right knee uh, so that was i had to sort of pull out of the pulled out of the southern but i was still confident i could race the grand prix uh so we got the bike prepped up and we had a few weeks to, to get the bike sorted out and, and try and get my my knee as healed up as, as best as i could and um entered the Grand Prix that year um, and it just we just reverted back to 2012 with all the mechanical problems again um, turned into an absolute nightmare to be honest it blew up a couple of engines and 
same sort of thing. I ended up getting towards the end of practice week and I'd, I'd only done like one or two laps and, uh, you know, ran out of budget, ran out of engines. And it was just, that was it really. I just yeah, had yeah. to, you know, I didn't qualify and had to pull out and I was devastated. Um, but I also felt a little bit like, well, you know, at least I've already achieved it. Yeah, year before. Yeah. yeah. So it was bad, but it wasn't like the 2012 year where I'd, I'd um, not qualified and, and, and also felt like I'd you know, let everybody down that year, to be honest with you. But, um, but uh, yeah, so anyway, that was the, that was the final go at the Grand Prix. I have um, still, I did one more short circuit race that year around Jerby, um, which actually went really well, really enjoyed it. Uh, but I can remember coming home and just thinking, I think I'm done now. I think that's, you know, I've probably, I've probably pushed things as far as I can at home as well. You know, the wife's sort of <laughs> given me the, you know, you said you were, you, know, you said you were, uh, oh, was it? you know, you've achieved your dream and, you know, now perhaps it's time to um, let it go sort of thing. And it's a difficult one to argue, you know, yeah. especially with the, the risk and the, the, the financial sort of, strain as well I, was, I just thought yeah you know do you know what i think i probably it's probably a yeah. good time just to knock it on the head yeah um so that's that's really what i did i've still got my bikes now in the garage um so i've not quite let go of them but um but i'm not i'm not i've not ridden on them for a number of years now um and should the bike race still there still yeah yeah, yeah it's uh, the bikes yeah my race bikes there and my the 600 the first 600 i bought uh, the road uh-huh. bike that's still in the garage as well. I have to come um, for a look at them. I do like them. Yeah, like them yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so since then, you've obviously we came across you where you've been, Matty and I. Sort of, you're obviously in the greatest cycling club on the planet, and uh, yeah. you obviously started doing a lot of cycling. So is that kind of your, what you do now, sports-wise, mainly? Yeah. So um, yeah, as, uh, you know, I'd, I'd already got into cycling um, to sort of build my fitness Fit. to race around the, the TT course and. Um, to be, you know, by, by 2014, where things had started to go wrong again with the bike, I was already starting to get more pleasure, more pleasure and out, out of the, the physical exercise of, uh, and just getting out on, on my push bike. I was really enjoying it. You know, I was doing a lot of, um, quite a lot of mountain biking and also got into the, the road cycling as well, as you say. It was, uh, joined the, the Manx Viking Wheelers. And uh, so, so yeah. Um, you know, I, I can honestly say that sometimes when I go out and, and race a push bike, I'm, I'm probably getting about as much buzz as, as what I was getting when I was flying down Glen Country Road flat out. It's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, I love yeah. it. It's great. But it also, like, it's that well-being as well. You know, it just kind of just just to go out for a ride. It, it, it helps me deal with things physically as well. You know, I've right. brushed on the fact that I've got less. Uh, you know, I'm in pain all, most of the time and uh, just to, to do some physical exercise, it, it releases that sort of natural endorphins that, you know, the painkillers that, um, and also just for the mind as well, it just, just makes you feel much better. Um, I, think, I think that can sometimes be lost as well. We talk about those sort of achievements and those goals you've set yourself, but all in the background of this is this noise and pain that's going on. Yeah. <laughs> the body and the mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I've had to learn to, to deal with that. And, um, you know, I kind of, I suppose a, a, a lot of it, I just kind of deal with it myself. Um, I, some people might think I'm a bit quiet at times, but it's usually just because I, I have to kind of 
slow everything down in my in my in my, in my mind and just try and uh, try and get on top of this pain and um, it does weigh you down as well you know it's it's uh, by the end of the day you're pretty tired just just from just from fighting you know, what's going on internally sort of thing yeah. as well as the medication I'm on they've all got um, sort of sedative type qualities to them as well right. you know it all sort of um, has its effect on you yeah. um, but you know, I I also know that I can still you know, do pretty well. Uh, at, uh Yeah, on the push bike or uh, uh, whatever else it is I put my mind to. Um, and you mentioned you're on a waiting list to try and get a bit of help. Yeah, so um, I've been uh, receiving um, some treatment from uh, the Walton uh, Neurological Centre in, in Liverpool, and um, there's some surgery that um, I'm. I've, I've sort of decided that I'd like to go for it's something that it was it was all, all always an option um, but there are some side effects to it and um, it, because it's spinal cord surgery it's it's um, dangerous area yeah there's chances are of some um, side effects that you don't want um, this can be quite you know high if you like so I, I feel like because I've already a lot of my goals and things that I wanted to achieve, you know, I've managed to sort of, uh, I managed to do those. And now I think it's probably a good time to sort of face what's going on and, and see if we can't, um, you know, uh, get, you know, if this, if the surgery is successful, uh, hopefully it means I can sort of get off this medication and, um, take the pain uh, away. Yeah, hopefully. Or if, even if it just reduces it, you know, it's, it's all, it's, a, it's definitely a risk that's worth taking now, I think. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's another motorcycle racer I know who's he's recently had it, um, and it's been successful for him. You know, he's he's gone from being in severe pain to almost pain free from it. Right. Um, so you know, if I can get if I can get that sort of outcome, then I'll be you know made up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but with uh, the crazy stuff that's going on in the world now, the the, the coronavirus has put a bit of a, a stop on that surgery now you know I'm, I'm, I'm on the waiting list but um you know when when, when i'm yeah everything just slows down it. isn't it yeah, yeah yeah i mean they've got to basically keep keep the uh hospital beds free for people who are not well at the moment so yeah yeah, yeah. um which is you know i can i can accept that that's absolutely fine you know i'll just just crack on and i've already <laughs> dealt with it for 20 years so another another year or two you know yeah, it's, um, uh, I should have said that at the start of the po- part of the reason for doing the podcast remotely for uh, between us all was, yeah, we're still in lockdown. Who knows? This is going out probably in three weeks and who knows what, where we'll be then and what will be going on. So yeah, yeah, just yeah. Outset that that's part of the reason of doing it, re- doing it remotely. Yeah, uh, yeah that's right. Strange but, times. Uh, yeah, it is very crazy, but you know, it's what you've got to do, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think anybody saw this coming. Uh, no. But, uh, no, not at all. You know, we've now I'm now um, obviously at home, and we've got three separate workstations set up. There's me, my daughter, and my wife. We're all working from home, as as you know, most people are now. And uh, it's just what you've got to do, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Again, adapting, yeah. isn't it? Adapting yeah. Circumstances. Yeah, that's right. You're good yeah. at that, so you'll be all right. <laughs> well, well th- yeah. Thanks. Still, thanks. Still- Go on. Sorry, I was just going to say, I've still got my uh, bike set up on the turbo in the garage, so at least I can... Uh, Most important escape. thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Get your own space, yeah. Matt, yeah. I'll understand that. So thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming on and chatting to us. Like I say, I think your story's... Uh, well, it's not... I think it is. It is absolutely amazing what you achieved. 
Jeff, thank just, you. Just blows my mind. So, uh, so no, I appreciate your time and thank you. Absolute pleasure. Now, thank you for uh, thank you for inviting me along, and uh, just like to say a quick thanks to everybody for all the support that, that I've received all you know along the way. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers, Chris. Oh, cheers, mate. Hey, do you want to wrap up? Yeah, uh, the usual. So wherever you're listening or and hopefully watching, Watch um, like, subscribe, share, and leave those five star reviews, pretty please. Um, on social media, Facebook with the M Word Podcast, Twitter, Max Sports Pod. On an Instagram, we are the M Word IOM. And as Martin is showing you, we have a fancy little phone case. It is mine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there you go. Thanks again. Thanks for, us, thanks for letting us get into your ears. It's word out from Martin. And word out from Martin.